Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Diz Unplug roundtable discussion for the week of August 14th. I'm Pete Werner, joined today by our Orlando team, including Bob Varley, Kevin Close, and John Magi. Uh, Corey Martin and Ricky Pearson are on the Disney Wonder uh, this week, and they'll have uh, a report for us next week when they're back. And getting right into it this week, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what happened last uh, last Thursday at, with the uh, the arrests in, in, in Great Britain of the uh, the terror plot and uh, some observations that I made from that. First, I, I think uh, I think everybody everybody on this side of the pond anyway owes uh, owes our friends in in the United Kingdom a really really big debt of gratitude. I think they stopped a uh, a real bad situation before it happened. Um, but I was what, what really what really shocked me. Well, not shocked me. What really made me happy was um, how well everybody seemed to adjust to uh, to the, the the rapid changes. All of a sudden, one day we're no longer allowed to bring liquids on a plane, and you know we, everybody thought I think that there was going to be a lot of chaos come Friday with uh, people adjusting to that. And I was amazed. There was really it seemed like everybody got the message. People were ready when they got to the airports. Um, the security lines were not the nightmares they were expecting. It just seemed like people really took the whole thing in stride. They took it seriously, but it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? It, it was. They, I do. they just seemed to really. Uh, everybody seemed to be real mature about it. It seems like uh, I, I hear a lot of times that not much has changed since 9/11. I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I guess an argument can be made that that there are some changes security-wise that still need to be made. But I think we saw a really good example of. It working well. They got them before anything happened, um, and they reacted and quickly. They reacted quickly, and and you know what? The traveling public reacted really quickly and really well. Um, yeah, they showed a great deal of flexibility. They really did. They really did. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was uh, very interesting. And what um, I thought was great was they interviewed people who were who were inconvenienced by this, and everybody pretty much said the same thing. I'd much rather be safe and not bring my water on board on the plane. Everyone took a mature attitude and took a logical attitude towards it. Nobody said, "Oh, you know, this is ridiculous. I got to bring water on the plane." Everybody saw what the big picture was, and it really didn't seem to, uh, you know, it really didn't seem to to affect too many people in terms of, you know, their their planning or their their plans, their current plans. There wasn't, there didn't seem to be this wave of cancellations, and everybody like, "Oh, should I fly? Should I not fly?" Everybody just seemed to handle it really in in, in pretty good, uh, I thought, in a pretty good fashion. I believe the people who were getting ready to fly when this was announced were inconvenienced, but it seemed like even later that day that people had already adjusted. And I know, you know, it's it's impossible, I think, to have any discussion about security without, you know, bringing up bringing up the place we're here to talk about, Disney World. And and of course, whenever anything like this happens, I you know my my thoughts automatically go, what if anything ever happened? God forbid, if anything ever happened. At uh, at Disney and and I'm, I was kind of like thinking about that these these past few days and and kind of realizing that I have uh, I have an aw- an awful lot of trust in in the secu- in the security that I'm sure they've got going on there that we can't see. There's a couple of things I can tell you about back when pin trading first started. A great deal of the pin trading happened in the world of Disney Shop at Downtown Disney. And after you hung out there for a couple of nights, you started to recognize the same people over and over again. And because I'm pretty good at just approaching people and asking what I want to know, I approached this man and asked him if he was undercover security. I did it in a way that he kind of smiled and said, yes, I am. 
And you'd be amazed at how many undercover security officers there are throughout Walt Disney World. It made me feel pretty good to know that there were people watching without me even knowing that they were there. The other thing I noticed is that recently we took the backstage magic tour. And our tour guide explained to us that a great deal of the security done by Disney happens behind the scenes where you wouldn't actually even know about it. One of the things that surprised me was that at every main entrance to any of the parks behind the scenes, there's something that rises up out of the ground, and it's it's like a big metal wedge of pie that rises up out of the ground. And what they told us is that this would stop a tractor trailer going 50 miles an hour. It would bring it to a dead stop. It's some sort of blockade that they are, after the first car goes through, the blockade pops up. And no one else can get through until the security guard lowers the blockade again. I was pretty impressed by that. I felt secure. What they told us while was that while bag checks can stop individual instances of people bringing unacceptable things into the park, that this would stop a large-scale attack on any park. I think that's great to know. I didn't put it in my report about the backstage magic tour because it wasn't really something at the time that I thought was interesting to people. But in this day and age, it is interesting. It is. It is. It's important. It's important, too. I also think that I've noticed the bag checking process going into the park has gotten so much better. You used to wait forever to go through those checks, and I think that they've gotten better training. They know what they're looking for, and they've gotten great at at pointing that out. And I think that's true of everything since uh, September 11th. We had a lot of lessons learned. A lot of things went on, and I think people are, are becoming more aware. They talk about be more aware of your surroundings. I think that's true, too. But Well, I think you're right. I think people are more aware of their surroundings. There was that lady out in the Midwest who turned in those gentlemen who bought a 1,000 cell phones. I think the fact that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not looking for anyone to spy on their brother, but I think it's great that everyone has a heightened sense of awareness. Well, you speak of a heightened sense of awareness. I remember right after 9-11 when they um, started stopping every guest going into any of the resorts and asking to see their ID uh, before they went in. I remember joking with a guard once saying, you know, what do you have, a list of known terrorists in there? That, And he, he laughed and he said, no, actually, it gives me 30 seconds to sit here and have this conversation with you and to look in the car and to see if there's anything out of the ordinary and to get a look at your face, your driver's license, and your name so that if anything does come up, I've at least had some interaction with you, and I'm going to—I'm more likely to remember it. And I thought that was such a great answer. And you know, it's—it's—it's a—it's a great. You know, it, obviously they're not going to really be able to stop you if it's, if somebody's trying to get in. That's not going to stop them. But it really does add, like you said, that awareness. And that's really a lot of times just a heightened sense of awareness is all it takes. I think that's wonderful. I never thought of it in that perspective. I always wondered if they thought terrorists couldn't drive. <laughs> that was I was just going to mention that. I was say we always joke around and say, "Who can't get a driver's license?" But I think that goes back to what Pete was saying: was that it's sort of this transparent security that Disney's put in place that we all just assume is there. Exactly. And, and it makes us feel better to go into a park, thinking that Disney is taking these steps. And I, from what I've heard. Kevin say it sounds right yeah and and you know also it's important to keep in mind that that security uh doesn't just apply to terrorism uh there was an event this past week at Pleasure Island where a patron got stabbed outside the BET club um and 
you know, while things, I mean, anytime you have an adult area with alcohol, you're going to have some things happen. But, I mean, generally speaking, anytime I've ever been to Pleasure Island at any time, especially at night, I think there's a great security presence there. They have the off-duty uh, Orange County sheriffs that are usually uh, working security down there. Um, and I've, I've never felt unsafe. And, I, you know, my nephew and his girlfriend are in town uh, this week. I, I didn't feel the least bit uh, uncomfortable letting them go down to uh, downtown Disney by themselves. Um, and so even, you know, I mean, it's the world we live in. Things are going to happen. I think, uh, I think as, as good as it could be done, Disney does it. And if they weren't doing it well, we would really know about it by now. Something would have happened. Nothing, nothing stays secret. Um, with all those children in Disney World, you got to imagine there's some really good security. If we're not, if there's not a rash of child abductions, I don't think it's because bad people don't go to Disney World. I think it's because there's nothing better in this world than a good cop. And uh, I, I think uh, I think our friends in the UK certainly prove that that uh, there is no force better than a good cop. I have a question to ask you. Sure. We've been talking recently about uh, the increase in prices at Disney. Would the increase in price be more acceptable to folks? If Disney said it would be for the increase in security, hmm. that's uh, Good you, question. you know I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this week in, in terms of our uh, our sound off question, which gives me a good opportunity to segue into that, which was about how much is too much, and uh, you know I was thinking about that, and we got a lot of responses this week uh, from that sound off question. I was really really shocked. We sp- had to spend a lot of time. Every single one of those was read and, and looked at. Um, and it, it was an awful, awful lot of, uh, of questions. And the opinions run the gamut. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they do run the gamut, but, you know, there's, there are some, there are really two camps. They're the, you know, this is really getting to be too much for me, and I'm going to have to adjust uh, my length of stay and, and, and other things to compensate for it, but I'm still going. And then there was the group that it really doesn't affect me. I don't care what it costs. I'm still going. But in both cases, it seems like everybody is still going, and I, an- I, I certainly anticipated that. I know I'll, I'll, I'll certainly be going back. I had a friend years ago who used to talk about pack of cigarettes the same way we talk about Disney prices. He used to say when cigarettes reached a dollar, he was going to quit. <laughs> when cigarettes reached a dollar twenty-five, he was going to quit. Cigarettes are over three dollars a pack, and he still smokes. Well, three dollars a pack down here. It's uh, eight or nine dollars a pack up in the Northeast. But you know, actually, that was one of the um, uh, one of the one of the uh, uh, examples that someone pointed out in one of the responses uh, to the question this week was um, that yeah, while Disney is expensive, there are a lot of places more expensive that don't give you as much. And the example she gave was the Jersey Shore. It was uh, you know getting a house for the week at the Jersey Shore, and. Uh, you know, coming from the Jersey Shore, I know how expensive that is. But do you know that, you know, the average house right now renting for a week in the Jersey Shore can go as high as $3,500 for seven days. Now, you think about what you're going to pay for park passes in a hotel room at Disney. Um, depending on, on how long you're staying and what hotel you're staying at, you're not going to pay $3,500 for it. And that's just for your and lodging. That's, that's that, not... Exactly. Exactly. We have another example. We always talk about uh, the price at Disney. If you compare it to the price of going to a simple movie, if you go to a movie in Orlando, the price is about $9, give or take 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Disney's open, let's just say, 12 hours a day, 9 in the morning until 9 at night. If you multiply 12 times 9, oh, I'm sorry, let's do it a different way. A movie's an hour and a half. I don't know how many times an hour and a half goes into 12 hours. 
But even at $9 for an hour and a half, movies are a far greater extravagance than a Disney ticket. Okay, but I think the argument needs to be raised that if we have to go to such extravagant lengths to justify the cost of the ticket, that perhaps the price of the ticket is getting a little too high if we have to start doing math like that. I mean, that's that's my feeling is that, yeah, people are going to pay it. But at some point in time, the general cost of, of, of a Disney vacation is going to reach that, that, that point, whatever it is, and I don't pretend to know what it is. But it's going to reach that point where people are just going to be like, I can't do it. I want to, but I can't. And that's why I, I, I thought the question, how much is too much? And I don't know that we necessarily are answering that question with any of the responses we got. But there definitely was a palpable sense through the vast majority of the emails we received that a lot of people are thinking two increases in one year is just a bit much. So uh, we're going we're gonna to read a few of the responses we got. I have one from, uh, from Kelly. Uh, I don't know, again, where Kelly's from, but uh, it seems, at least in my neck of the woods, that the recent increase in Disney prices have caused a bit of a stir. I have been amused over the past few days because some, some people, those not so enamored by the House of Mouse, have been all eager to tell me that the prices at Disney went up again, as if this news was going to have some cataclysmic effect on my very existence. Shocking news to me? I say no, not really. What can you expect in a world where gas prices are over $3 a gallon and probably rising again in the near future? My electric bill was enough to send me into convulsions when I opened that recently. For what it cost to buy a gallon of milk, it might be cheaper to buy the cow. Funny, though, how nobody seems to talk to you about those things. Uh, the questions that come up almost inevitably, I suppose, will you still go if the price, prices go up anymore? Of course I will, and in my opinion, everyone else who wants to will as well. For me, the price increases mean going in value season in the future, or maybe it will cause me to reconsider the type of accommodations that I normally frequent, but it will never truly stop me from going one way or another. I think that was uh, uh, fairly fairly indicative of a lot of the responses that we got. But my point is this, that, you know, I, believe, I, I agree that gas prices have gone up. I agree that uh, um, uh, the cost of operating the, their business, I'm sure, has gone up. There's no way it can't. And, and that's fine. Say that. Don't tell me it's for travel industry need. That was just like salt in the wound. It was for the needs of the travel industry. At least if you're going if you're going to do a second increase in one year, try and protect some goodwill and come up with a better excuse than that. I mean, granted, they really don't owe us an excuse, but it, they, people are going to talk about it one way or the other. You might as well at least frame the discussion ahead of time and give them something better than uh, we're doing it for travel industry needs. So, uh, John, you have, uh, you have an email from one of our visitors you'd like to read. I do. This is from Minnie Sorcerer's Mom. And she's in New York. We expect Disney's prices to go up every year. Many of us plan ahead for that. Thus, if we have a trip scheduled for 2007, we purchase the tickets in 2006. This move was only unexpected, but they didn't give us very much warning. I check the Diz boards a few times per week and read about it only days before the increase. Since they raised their prices from 2005 to 2006 by a decent margin, I did not expect the increases to be as substantial as it was. Not to mention, they also increased the resorts and decreased the number of restaurants participating in the meal plan by a rather large amount. Disney's attendance has been increasing, and obviously they feel that they, get the, that they can get these prices. I only hope that they don't increase them again in January. This really answered a lot of the things we talked about right. last week as well. Is It was a shock. First of all, it was all of a sudden, no one had time to really plan for it. In the past, we've been able to tell our clients, our Dreams Unlimited Travel clients, 
listen, an increase is coming in the next few days. You might want to think about getting your passes now. People had no warning for this. But I think the salt in the wounds is really look at everything else. That meal plan has now had so many restaurants taken out of it. The resorts are expensive. So it kind of hits home on, on a lot of fronts for people. I think a big part of the problem with the increase was that it happened at the same time that Disney announced that certain things would be cut. For instance, the dining plan, that certain restaurants would not be part of that. So I think the perception is that you're now paying more and getting less. That's well, I'm not sure that's just a perception. I think in a lot of ways you are paying more and getting less. I think that's at that perce- if that is the perception, it's, I think it's somewhat accurate, personally. I also think there's, there's a, another factor in here that we've not talked about yet, and that's that the uh, Orange County resort fee has gone up. Yeah. One percent. It's gone up one percent, gone from five to six percent. And not every hotel on Disney property is affected by it, only the ones that are in Orange County. But this is another increase that people have to now take on. And And, uh, it's unavoidable because it has nothing to do with Disney or anybody else. It's just a fact of life. Well, here again, the reason for that increase was a a little bothersome to me where uh, basically all you fine folks are going to be offsetting the cost of a new new stadium for – uh, one of our college football teams, you're uh, financing some stuff for the Orlando Magic. Um, and uh, I don't know what that has to do with tourism um, because uh, last time I checked, uh, I don't think too many of you were going to any Orlando Magic games or any UCF uh, college football games. But, uh, yeah, that 1% increase uh, in the resort tax that you're paying, that's pretty much what it's going to offset. Now, they had said that originally it was going to be to increase their budget for advertising because the Orlando area in general was not showing as much travel as last year, but that's gone by the wayside. They're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're paying 12.5% when you're paying for your room tax total. That's it's a lot. crazy, 12.5%. There was another increase that was kind of hidden that I don't know if people know about. I go to the Candlelight Processional every year, and it's going up a couple of bucks this year. But what they haven't told you is that in years past – the price you paid included your tax and gratuity. That's uh, not, not included anymore. Wow. So besides your 2 or $3 that the tickets have gone up, you're now going to be paying 7% and whatever percentage gratuity you choose to leave. And if you're like most people and pay 15%, the price of your ticket just went up 22%. Wow. Yeah, they slid that one in there very nicely. They did. And, Bob, you have a... Uh you I have, have one an email from to Colleen, and she writes, as a stockholder, I, w- I should be happy with the increase. As a consumer, though, I'm horrified at the prospect of paying even more to enter a park. I have an idea that would make it a little easier on the average Disney park fanatic and a family struggling to save up to visit the park once. Uh, she'd like to make a big announcement about the price increase. Give everyone a month to stock up on their tickets and let the tickets fly out of the stores. Well, I mean, that's what uh, used to happen is that you were able to go to the, you know, you were able, able to go to the ticket brokers and uh, buy, uh, buy tickets at the, at the old rate until their, uh, their stock ran out. That's not allowed to be done anymore. Yeah, they didn't um, do that there was, Yeah, there was no advance warning, no advance warning at all. I'd also like to say, Colleen, I'm also a stockholder, and I don't think that the, the uh, price of tickets affects my return on my investment with Disney. We just had a, um, Disney just had a huge uh, profit 
announced. What was it? One point one billion dollars for the third quarter. Yeah, and that's a tremendous amount. Still, the price per share uh, didn't go up all that much, and the um, dividend didn't increase all that much. So, I don't know how much a, a raise in the one day ticket is going to reflect in my pocket as a stockholder. Yeah, I'm a same thing with you, John. I, I own stock too, but I'm not seeing it in my pocket. And Kevin, you've got uh, you've got something from uh, from Liz in Canada. I do. Liz writes to us, and it's interesting because she takes a different approach. She thinks the rise in ticket prices is fair. Her opinion is that probably not. Her she states her opinion is probably not the most popular, but it's what she believes. She says she recently heard that shows such as Fantasmic and Illuminations run about twenty thousand dollars per show. Those fireworks could not possibly cheap to show every night. Disney must keep up with the cost of inflation and the cost of running the park and pass it along to the guests. I feel that for a 10-day pass, it is still a very good value for my money. Where else can I have constant entertainment for 10 days, which is family-friendly and in a safe environment? She thinks nowhere. She feels safe at Disney and feels it's a family-friendly vacation, and she's willing to pay for that. And that brings up, uh, I think that brings up a lot of what we were discussing earlier with the security issues and um I think that's a, that's a very interesting take on this. That you feel a lot, you know, she feel she feels a lot safer at Disney and is willing to pay for it. I have a couple of thoughts on this. I've been to other theme parks. I consider myself a Disney fanatic. I like other theme parks, but I don't like them as much. And I think part of the the feeling I get from Disney is that you walk into this cocoon of safety and recognition. I've been to Universal, and while I've never felt unsafe at Universal Studios, Universal Studios doesn't have the same level of brand recognition that Disney does. Mm -hmm. The same gravitas. Right. I've, been a, I've known Disney since I was a kid. We often make the joke, how do kids come out of the womb knowing about Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse cartoons are not shown usually. I mean, I don't know a whole lot of kids who are familiar with Mickey Mouse cartoons. However... It seems that they know as soon as they're old enough to let you know that they know. It's actually only a recent phenomenon that Mickey's come back to television. And in the computer-generated form, he's got shows now. But there was a span when I grew up that Mickey wasn't around. Right. I, I missed the Mickey Mouse years the first time. I'm sorry, I missed the Mickey Mouse Club years the first time. And I've missed the second coming of the Mickey Mouse Club. I'm somewhere in between. However, when I walk into the Magic Kingdom, the Magic Kingdom has a certain kind of branding. You're never allowed to forget that it all started with a mouse. I don't get the same feeling walking into other theme parks. I think that certain theme parks are missing the opportunity to brand their form of entertainment better. I think Universal needs to play up the fact that we've all watched Universal movies growing up our entire lives. And while they do that for a, a few short seconds every once in a while, I don't think that level of branding is visible in places like Universal Studios. And I think a lot of that has to do with what makes Disney feel safer. I mean, they revert you back to your childhood very quickly. Very quickly you can see things that you remember growing up. Exactly. They also give you the opportunity to go to different places in the world on Disney property. I mean, you you feel like you can travel safely and go you can go to Japan, you can go to Mexico and have those experiences of those countries by going to Disney World. And 
in this world and the way it is now for travelers, that may be the only way that you can experience some of this stuff. Mm, that's, that's a true. great point. I never thought of that. That's true. We've also been places overseas that you wished were more like Epcot. Speaking of Universal, we uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but we all know that uh, Universal just raised their ticket prices. Oh, that's right. Uh, they basically matched Disney. They went to a $67 one-day, one-park ticket for adults and 56 for children. They raised their multi-day passes as well for a couple bucks there. But um, this is going to be my opinion, so stand back. Watch out, folks. I think this is the dumbest move Universal could ever have done. I realize this is in response to Disney's ticket increase, and I realize that they're saying the same rhetoric that they've said bef- uh, that Disney said, which is it's for the travel industry. We know that's not true. It's because Disney did it. Now we have to do it. They missed a tremendous opportunity. They missed an opportunity where they could have said for four months until the end of the year, we haven't raised our prices. We're the same price we were before. Come and see Universal. We're on the side of the family. We understand that gas prices have gone up. We understand that resort prices have gone up. We're not going to raise our prices like somebody else has done. I just think they totally missed the mark on this. And sort of tying into that, I read a very interesting article in the Orlando Sentinel this uh, past weekend, and they quoted some attendance records. We all know Disney doesn't release their attendance records, neither do any of the other theme parks. So this is all based on um, revenue and tax revenue and things like that. However, it's it's a fairly accurate model of what's going on. Uh, Last year, SeaWorld attendance stayed the same for the fiscal year prior, from year to year. They had no increase or decrease in attendance, basically. For the same period, Universal saw an 8.5% decrease in attendance. At the same time, Walt Disney World Parks uh, was up between 5 and 6.5%. And this really speaks a lot to, you know, what we're talking about, is that even though prices are going up at Disney, more people seem to be going. Their attendance figures are up. And they're not only up, they're up at the expense of other area attractions. So the question becomes, what is it? What is Disney doing that Universal's not doing? And I have a whole bunch of ideas on this. I, I think Disney does a lot. We, we picked a lot on Disney today, but I think Disney does a lot of things really well. Um, new attractions, they're constantly coming up with new attractions that are spectacular. Talk about Everest. Everest is a great attraction. Um, what was the last big attraction that Universal had? The Mummy Ride? Yeah, I think. Yeah. And I mean, and just recently they opened this Monkey McBean Ride, whatever the heck that is. You know, that doesn't have any appeal to me. So I think Disney does that very well. I also think that they they keep their current rides and they keep their classic attractions fresh. Look at Pirates. I love the Pirates Ride. I, do too. I think the changes they made were spectacular. They were. They were excellent. And the video we have on our site, by the way, the video on the Diz is tremendous on that, if you haven't checked that out. But what has Universal done? You can go on Jaws. Jaws is the same ride as it's been since they opened that park. Um, and it was kind of sad then. I just want to I, I just want to uh, chime in here and say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much the, uh, the lone Universal fan in, in, in this particular group. Uh, I think we're pretty representative – I think most of the people here are pretty representative of most Disney fans. They're really not uh, 
uh, at least the hardcore Disney fans are just not that uh, that that big. They're not that fond of Universal. I I happen to think Universal does a lot of things really well. I, granted, in a side by side comparison on some aspects of Disney, uh, I'll agree with you. But uh, in terms of the hotels right now, I think Disney might be able to take a few notes from Lowe's on on how to do it right because uh, uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing some great service in those hotels up there. I like Universal myself. I think Universal has the single best attraction in Orlando, the Spider-Man ride at uh, yeah, that is a great ride. However, what I'm talking about here though is why is Disney's attendance increasing while theirs is decreasing? And I think that a factor involved in this is their their lack of new and innovative ideas, as well as their um, inability to, to um, sort of bring their classic stuff up to the forefront. Um, one of the, the news stories we're hearing out of Universal is that Back to the Future is going away. Good. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, it was in disarray, and I think half the ride shut down right now because the, the screens are torn, and it just isn't being maintained. Before we go any further with that, I'd like to focus a little more on Universal's ticket pricing. One of the things that we think has happened here, and this was stated in the article in the Orlando Sentinel, Universal does not want to be Disney's little brother any longer. So what happens is when Disney raises their prices so as not to look like a second-tier resort, Universal feels that they have to increase their prices in order to keep up. The other thing that you were talking about with us earlier but haven't spoken about yet is the fact that Disney has set up their ticket structure to keep people from going to places like Universal and SeaWorld. I was actually going to get to that. Um, you talk about the one-day ticket at Disney being $67. Outrageous. Just too much money to pay for one day at a Disney park, in my opinion. However, you look at a seven-day ticket, and again, I go back to those numbers, it works out to be $30 a day. If you're planning a one-week vacation in Orlando, and you've already spent your five days at Disney, it's so much cheaper to just add two more days and explore the parks for another two days rather than taking a separate trip, a separate, a separate side trip to Universal for one day and SeaWorld to one day. I mean, we're, we're talking about the difference of $500 getting a family of four into those other two theme parks for two days as opposed to staying at Disney, which was, I think the price they quoted was an extra $60 for the family of four. So this is an issue that Universal has to address is that Disney has structured their pricing so well that they're keeping more people uh, in their resorts and on their property. Yeah, but they also need to keep defibrillators near the uh, ticket booths at Disney. Uh, I can mention my niece and my my nephew and and his girlfriend are in town. And we were down on property the other day, and I I went to buy them their their tickets. And uh, the price of two seven-day tickets with the uh, uh, no, no expiration option and the uh, six water park slash Disney Quest visits um, for two of them over $800. And I looked at that, and, and I know this stuff. I know what this stuff costs, but even that, I, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding. I believe those were the exact words I uttered when I saw that price come up. And I took everything else off. I said, sorry, kids, we're just doing the seven days. Um, you know, for 400 it was two, two seven-day passes ended up being around a little over $400. Um, that's really, I mean, $800 for two seven-day park hopper passes is ridiculous. I, th- I think Disney absolutely drops the ball on their add-ons. 
I think their add-ons are way overpriced. And and let me also add in that this was the hard sell. This guy came back at me, this ticket agent, came back at me three or four times to try and add this stuff on. It wasn't until I looked at him and politely but firmly said, really, I've decided what I want, that's it, that he stopped asking. Because he kept saying, well, now if you do this, it works out like, I'm like, really, really, okay, got it. I think it's also, uh, I think we, we owe it to the people who are listening to us to explain that the people sitting in this room, we all have Florida resident annual passes. Correct. So we are not paying that amount to get into a Disney theme park. As a matter of fact, we have a really good deal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll never complain about the deal of the annual pass now. But we all have family that visits. Oh, yeah. And have to scramble to help them because. Right. So, and one of the things I want to point out, too, is personally, I have a, a Florida annual pass that doesn't have the water parks on it. I don't enjoy the water parks. I it's never go. It's not my thing. I don't go. You and no nobody wants to see me walking around in a bathing suit. So or, or me. Well, the other thing is, as Florida annual pass holders, meaning that we're Florida residents, we don't go out from June till September. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's the same temperature as the surface of the sun. So, just getting back to this idea that that Universal is losing ground to Disney as far as attendance goes, the ticket pricing is definitely what's in there. Uh, uh, affecting that people are coming into it. But I think we also touched on it today in that there's something about Disney that brings people back that ingratiates itself with the young children and makes this a generational experience rather than just I'm going to go and ride a thrill ride. Well, and Disney has its own promotional team. Any adult who's ever been to Disney World is certainly going to sell it to their kids. Oh, absolutely. I have to go back a second. When Disney went from their all-inclusive ticket, now I'm old enough to remember it was only a couple of years ago that when you bought a Disney ticket, it was good forever. Right. As long as there were unused days on your Disney ticket, you could use it up until whenever. It didn't seem that we had this public outcry over the rate, the cost of ticket increase when Disney went from having a ticket that never expired to now you have to pay for an expiration, now you have to add things on. That was a much bigger increase in the value of your Disney ticket than this $4 increase. Well, this kind of brings me back to my my initial point, that there is going to be that um, eventually they're going to reach that price point. When the, when the average price of a Disney vacation costs a certain amount, it's going to fall outside the realm of, of, of the mass market. It's going to fall outside the ability of the average consumer to afford that, and it's going to go from a vacation uh, decision to a luxury decision. Um, you know, that's the difference between buying your Honda and buying a Lincoln. That, that, that's what I'm concerned about seeing happen. I don't think Disney seems to be showing that same kind of concern that that's ever going to happen. And, and I think the arrogance of it, the arrogance of the, of the increase, the number of them, the size of them, and the excuses for them are just what's leaving a bad taste in a lot of mouths right now. They didn't manage this well from a public relations standpoint. And whether they're obligated to give an explanation or not, most people are expecting one, and if so, if you're going to give the explanation at all, you really probably need to stay away from travel industry as as your reason. And you know, I know I hate to keep harping on that, but I have one more observation. We talk about whether attendance is up or attendance is down, and I keep referring back to that article that we all read in the Orlando Sentinel, and the person who wrote it made a very, very, very good observation. Orlando has become a mature resort. Hmm. The growth spurt that we saw over the last decade isn't going to happen again anytime soon. There's no slated new parks. 
there aren't even many slated new attractions that we know about at this point. Orlando has really reached its growth potential as far as theme parks is concerned. So what has to happen now is they have to keep reinventing the parks that are already here. And I think it will benefit all of us if we watch them do that. Oh, absolutely. Well, I've always said that the, the, the competition, especially the competition between SeaWorld, Universal, and, and Disney, only only ends up benefiting us as the consumer. There's no question about that, none whatsoever. I agree. Yeah, we had a great uh, we had a great response to uh, this week's sound off. Uh, got a lot of uh, got a lot of very interesting emails. It certainly generated a lot of t- a lot of discussion here among us. And uh, so I want to thank uh, Liz Kelly, Mini Sorcerer Sorcerer's mom, and Colleen for uh, their submissions, along with everybody else. Those four people are going to be getting twenty five dollar gift certificates from us. Good at any. Uh, location on Disney World, Disneyland, or Disney Cruise Line, and the Disney Store. So enjoy those. And talking about our uh, our, our sound off for this week, I thought we would uh, uh, ask everybody to tell us uh, how recent world events or world events in general affect your trip planning. Um, does it make you more afraid to travel, or does it just make you more aware when you travel? And I think uh, especially, I know for me, uh, Situations like what happened last week really bring up that that thought in my head. What if something happened there? Um, it obviously uh, doesn't impact too much or too many people uh, from going, which I think is a great thing. I think people should not be afraid; they should simply be aware. But uh, what about you? Uh, does uh, does the recent world events do any of these things? How how do, how do these things impact your trip planning? And uh, as, uh, as we do every week, uh, if we read your uh, response on the air during our show, we will send you out a $25 gift certificate good at any Disney location, Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise, or the Disney stores. Um, all right, so moving on from sound off on to something completely different, we're going to talk to Bob a little bit about some of the, uh, the good deals he's found uh, around, town, uh, around town this week. Bob, what do you have? There's a great deal at Sheridan Bastana this week. It's a no housekeeping discount offer. And what it is is if you book four, more than four nights at the Vistana Resort and choose the no housekeeping discount, you can get that for $85 a night. Wow. That's a, uh, a one-bedroom a one unit? One-bedroom unit. Now, yes. for, those, for those who aren't familiar with uh, Sheridan Vistana, um, it is a, uh, a timeshare uh, resort over in Lake Buena Vista on Highway 530, right off Highway 535. And uh, what they do is they rent out the timeshare units that are not full. Uh, they'll rent them out as hotel rooms. And they're absolutely, these are absolutely beautiful. We're n- really not shilling for them. They really are gorgeous, gorgeous units. And they have an awesome location. They really do. The other thing is with the no housekeeping, you, you don't have the person coming in every day and doing doing the stuff, changing the beds and doing the linens and everything. But you also have the opportunity to have that done. If you want to have them come in, there's a fee for it. It's $40, and they'll come in and change out the linens and clean the clean the room and, and do everything that they usually do, if that's what you want to do. But you don't change your linen at home every day. So it's an advantage for you, and it's a way that the resort is coming up with Another way to save you money. And I also don't think it's overselling it to say that the amenities uh, in at Vistana 
and the quality of the units really do rival Old Key West, I think, in terms of size and in terms of uh, style. Don't you have a washer and dryer in those units? You do have a washer and dryer in each unit. You have a full kitchen. So if you want to cook there, you can do that, a refrigerator and the microwave. Or throw your towels in the, in the washer. You can throw them in. Or you can just take the towels down, and they'll change them out for you. If, if you have dirty towels and you want new ones, they'll do that. There's, there's not going to be a charge for that. Sounds like a great deal. $85 per night, no housekeeping. One bedroom. That's great. That's a great deal. Bob, what else did you? Uh, what else have you found around town? Pete, I've been taking a look at gas prices around in the area, and I'm sure a lot of people know this, but Hess has two gas stations on Disney property. Mm-hmm. And it used to be you'd go off property to get the best pricing for gas. Mm-hmm. It's not the case anymore. Not anymore, no. Most times you can get pricing at the t- one of the two Hess gas stations two, three, at least four cents cheaper than off property. Oh, it's a lot more than a few cents. I, I, I'll tell you, the uh, it's a, I, the last time I looked on property, it was about 22 cents cheaper a gallon than it is right up the street from my house, and I live right outside of downtown. I was seeing two two eighty seven on property, and it's like two ninety five. We just were there the other day, and the price on Disney property, as opposed to the price at the gas station on 535 at the end of Hotel Plaza Boulevard, was 60 cents different. It's amazing. Yeah, it really, okay. it's, uh, I know it was different when Exxon had the contract. Uh, Exxon was really uh, jacking up the rates. But Hess, uh, ever since Hess has taken over that uh, that concession, um, they have kept their rates very consistent. The, he- the price of the price of gas at a Hess station around here is pretty pretty consistent. They're highly competitive. Yes, They're yeah. as low as any of the low cost gas stations off property. Exactly. The other thing I looked at as far as gas prices because it just got me interested in what it was on other states because people come uh, and drive down. So I want to let them know the pricing in different states varies. And it always used to be Georgia. I'd, I'd always tell people exit one or exit three on the 95, you'd get your lowest gas prices. And in my research last week, I found out that Georgia has raised their pricing. And they're not the cheapest state out there anymore. South Carolina is running about 10 cents cheaper than North Carolina and Georgia. Well, that's a good tip for those of you uh, driving down here. Yeah. So what I used to tell people, stop in Georgia and get your your gas to save some money. Now I'm telling them, stop in South Carolina. Cool. Well, good, Bob. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate the uh, appreciate the tips. And uh, Kevin made his uh, Kevin made his rounds to another restaurant uh, this week. This time uh, heading over to Bubba Gump shrimp company over at uh, universal city walk and kevin what'd you think of uh what'd you think of the, their new addition after last week's fiasco at the coral reef we decided to give another seafood restaurant a shot uh i have good things to say about it and i have some not so good things to say about it first of all it's a chain restaurant i understand that there are 30 of them across the country so you might be able to eat in a bubblegum shrimp near where you live we went to the one at the new Bubblegum Shrimp Company at City Walk. First of all, I have to tell you that you have to pay to park. 
There's a $10 charge for parking in uh, Universal's parking garage, so before you ever get to the restaurant, you have to add that in. However, the location at Universal Studios is great. It's the first thing you see after coming across the walkway into City Walk, directly across from the Lowe's Cinema, so the location can't be beat. We went there the week it opened, and the atmosphere seemed noisy, chaotic, and it was made worse by the staff. Uh, I think this will probably calm down. While we were eating, certain staff members would start singing at the top of their lungs or screaming across the restaurant. I don't know about you, but I found the whole thing kind of noisy. Uh, the other thing about the atmosphere in the restaurant is it's all tied into the movie Forrest Gump. I wasn't a huge fan of the movie Forrest Gump. And everything in this restaurant lets you know that that's what this is, down to the point where there's a uh, two license plates on your table. If you don't need your server, you put up the one that says, Run, Forest, Run. If you want to talk to your server, you flip it over and it says, Stop, Forest, Stop. As I said, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of Forest Gum, so these little touches were kind of lost on me. Well, that actually, as you're, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, and I thought about this too when I first saw that was coming, was Forest Gump a strong enough property to warrant, like, a theme park spinoff? Um, I, I really just never looked at it. Like, you know, what are they going to do next? Is that what's going in the where Back to the Future is going to be? Are they going to have the Forrest Gump ride? Or something like Fast Times at Ridgemont High uh, Diner or something. <laughs> You've got mail experience or something like that. Right. right. So I agree with you. I. It, it also seems kind of old at this point. It's not a, a fresh concept. Yeah, wasn't that like an early 90s film? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the food. The food is priced at theme park prices. Uh, if you're in a theme park, and we've been talking a lot about prices today, you expect to pay more for what you get. This is definitely the case at Bubba Gump. It is not bad food. However, it's not the kind of restaurant that I would get in my car and say, come on, let's go. However, if I was coming out of the theme park, I might stop. Uh, we, there were four of us dining, and dinner for the four of us was about $100. And this was lunch. So, and to that $100, you add the $10 parking fee. And the long walk. And the long walk. We we really tried to order uh, a variety of things. We ordered four entrees. The most expensive entree was a shrimper's heaven, which is a, a sampler of all the different kinds of shrimp that Bubba Gum Shrimp is famous for, apparently. Uh, you got some coconut shrimp, and you got some peel-and-eat shrimp. And you got some fried shrimp. Now, the coconut shrimp, you got three of them, and they were good. They're okay. Fried shrimp is fried shrimp. And peel and eat shrimp, I mean, if you can't boil shrimp, you shouldn't be in the restaurant business. Exactly. But this was eighteen fifty for about a dozen shrimp. So it's kind of pricey. However, I do have something good to tell you about that was on this entree. They have something called hush pups. And they make a big point of the fact that these are not your regular hush puppies. They take pieces of mahi-mahi and shrimp and golden corn and make little balls out of them and deep fry them. I have to tell you, if you're coming out of Universal and you're hungry, stop and get a side order of these. These are good. Oh, they are good. I've had them in Miami at the other store. The other three entrees that we had were the fish and chips, the stuffed shrimp, and the Mama's Southern Fried Chicken. 
again, they run the they run the gamut of eleven ninety nine to sixteen ninety nine, and my dad had the fish and chips. He thought they were pretty good. So it was, as I say, the food was good. It was edible. It's not something I would drive to, but it was something that was pretty, pretty okay for theme park food. The last thing that we ordered sounded really exotic on the menu. I'm going to read you the actual description. It was the sparkling apple cobbler. This is one exciting dessert, a delicious warm apple cobbler to share with whipped cream and our special sauce that you pour yourself. It'll feel like the 4th of July. Well, we got one to share, and I have to tell you it's a fairly large portion. However, the waiter brings it out with a sparkler in it. But he lit the sparkler in the kitchen. So by the time he got to our table, we had about a half an inch of sparkler left. (laughs) It it was just, it was an odd thing to do. However, you do get a nice large casserole of apple cobbler, and they bring out a can of spray whipped cream. However, they offer you a little bit of something called their bourbon sauce, which is warm, and they allow you to pour it over the top. Now, if you're an apple cobbler fan, i got to tell you, this was a good addition. The other thing they do is they charge you 99 cents extra if you want vanilla ice cream on it. I don't know about you, but warm apple cobbler calls out for vanilla ice cream. So while the apple cobbler was $7 and the ice cream made it $8, you did get a quarter of an inch of sparkler to make up for the price. <laughs> now, Bob, you had mentioned uh, just mentioned that you had been to the one in Miami. How, did, how, did, how do you think the one in Miami compares to the one here? The... The sound, like Kevin mentioned, was really noisy. I didn't find that as much in the one in Miami when we were there. Mm-hmm. The food was good, and, you know, the theming is the theming. And pretty much they're all about the same for the, the stores that are in each restaurant. There's a separate store. You can go and buy all Forrest Gump stuff if you think about you want to have that. Which brings you back to Why? exactly Why? how many, you know, how many well, Forrest Gump T-shirts do you need? Right. It's, I can think I, I need zero. Exactly. So th- the food was good, and but it, that location, I didn't have to walk a half mile to get to the restaurant. Or like, pay $10 to or park. Or pay $10 to park unless you have an annual pass, and then it's free. But oh. To finalize this, I have to tell you that the rest- restaurant is spacious. It's a multi-level restaurant, and there is handicapped accessible seating on both levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a store attached to the restaurant where you can buy all of the Bubba Gump paraphernalia that you need, need being the operative word. (laughs) And one of the things that seemed to cause a great deal of attention is while we were all meeting outside after everyone finished up with what they were doing in the restaurant, if you've seen the movie, there is the park bench with the requisite box of chocolates, and there are concrete sneakers that you can sit in and put your sit on the bench and put your feet under the concrete sneakers and have your loved ones take photo- photos of you pretending you're Forrest Gump. I've waited my whole life. I don't have much to say about that. I just, I don't want people to think I'm Forrest Gump, so <laughs> I didn't do it. So I would tell you, if you're hungry and you're there, and you're looking for seafood, give it a shot. Don't miss the hush pups. If you're looking for a real seafood restaurant, you might do better elsewhere. Well, you know, it's uh, you mentioned that it was a hundred dollars uh, for you to do lunch, and it um, again mentioning again with my niece or my nephew and my uh, his girlfriend in town, we had uh, we had lunch over at the uh, or dinner, I should say, at the Hollywood Brown Derby last week, and I got to tell you, I'm not going to go into a full review, but 
I've been in there enough times, especially recently, to say it's really, I think, the best in theme park restaurant you're going to find. Uh, the consistency of the food, how good it is. I paid $100 for the dinner for three of us. Now, granted, nobody was drinking, but that was a very, very good dinner. It was great food. There was plenty of it. And I walked out of there feeling that I got a really good dinner for $100. I don't want to make it sound like I'm against theme park food. I happen to think Chico at the animal at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge is one of the best restaurants I've ever eaten in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And dinner there regularly runs two of us $100. However, I feel like I get great service. I get exceptional food. And you know what you're getting into going into right. it. I have a problem when you pay the $100 and you get substandard fare and it's okay because you're trapped in a theme park. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, and I and I think there's a, there is a there is a substantial difference between, you know, a theme park restaurant and a uh, and a resort restaurant in terms of what you should expect because theme park restaurant theme park food generally speaking is is pretty lousy. Um it's gotten better I think all around town in the last 7 years, 6 7 years. But you know, Universal touts Mythos as being uh, the the best uh, theme park restaurant in the world. Now, we ate there a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to say the food was bad, but it certainly wasn't great, and it certainly doesn't rise to the level of best theme park restaurant in the world. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna make a claim like that, the food, the service, everything better be a heck of a lot better than what it was when we ate there. But you know, I take a look at some place like the Hollywood Brown Derby. They really what I really like about the place is that they take their uh, uh, they take their legacy real seriously. They're the only Brown Derby in existence, and they really want to make sure their food service and everything about the place is as true to the original as possible. I mean, it really is a great old Hollywood experience um, uh, within MGM. And on top of that, not only is the theming and the atmosphere great, but so is the service and the food. So it's really an elegant. A very space elegant. also, but yeah. what I, and for as elegant as it is, though you don't feel uncomfortable being in there in shorts. And no, it's not pretentious, and not at all. We've actually made the Brown Derby a destination. You talk about not going to, to Bubba Gump's to, you know, if you're there, go ahead and eat there, and it's not a destination restaurant. The Brown Derby for us is a destination restaurant. We'll go to MGM just, just to, to eat do there. that. Just to get some Cobb salad. Okay, and there's a bunch of people listening to this saying, shut up. You can just go to the Brown Derby whenever you want for Cobb salad. Shut up. But, uh, no, that's great. Thanks very much for uh, for that review, Kevin. And as we get ready to wrap up, since Corey's not here to do uh, an update, um, I'll tell you a little bit about what's uh, been added to the site recently. Um, we've put up a new video uh, today, as a matter of fact, uh, from the Kilimanjaro Safari although it's uh, a view most of you probably haven't seen. We took this video while we were doing the Concierge Safari Tour, the Wilderness Safari Tour, a few weeks ago. So we got some really, really good video. I think this is going to be this is one of, a, one of our better ones. So uh, please go check that out. You can find links to uh, that and anything else we talk about on the show on the podcast main page at podcast.wdwinfo.com. Uh, we've also added an awful lot of holiday updates to the site these past couple of weeks. A lot of new things are coming out. We've got some updates on uh, Christmas dining at Disney World, also uh, uh, some highlights, some of the holiday event highlights uh, that have just been announced have been updated on the site, along with some uh, some options for you if you're going to be at uh, Disney World over Thanksgiving. Have some uh, good options for where to eat and what to do. So uh, now, Kevin, before we wrap up, do you have any uh, any good rumors for us? I do. I have one this week. Recently, we talked about the 
amenities given to you when you stayed at the Contemporary, mm. the Mickey soap, the Mickey shampoo, that sort of thing. I have a rumor. It's a pretty strong rumor, but it's a rumor that that's going away. And what is coming in its place, pray tell? There is a line of products called H2O. These were popular in the early 90s and have been around ever since. This is a very nice line of products, and it's my understanding that starting in October, these will be the products that are placed in Disney hotels. So the Year of a Million Dreams includes answering one of my dreams, which is please take that crappy shampoo out of the hotel rooms? That crappy shampoo is gone as far as I know, and it will be replaced with this H2O. If you're interested in looking at the H2O products, get a sort of a preview. You can find H2O products at www.h2oplus.com. Now, while I'm not selling H2O products, this is what I'm hearing. I'm not suggesting that they're good or they're bad. I just understand that they're going to be there. Now, I'm wondering if they're going to just place the product in the traditional Mickey bottles because we all know what a big deal that is. I do, and I, I'm assuming that that's probably going to be the case. I assume that, again, it's an assumption, but I assume that they wouldn't take away their branding. However, the product for the last however long it's been around has been a Johnson & Johnson product. Well, that's good to hear. And that they've received enough complaints that it's time to change. Well, I, I, I mean, honestly, let's just, I know I've said it before, I don't want to harp on it. You're going to charge $300 a night for a hotel room. Put some decent shampoo in the bathroom. Don't put that nonsense in there. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. But no, nah, that's, that's, that is great news. I'm glad to hear that they're, they, they're, they, they've listened to those, those comments and complaints and are finally, finally, finally doing something, uh, something about it. Again, please keep in mind, it's a rumor at this point. I, I, I hear you, but it's a rumor we're hoping is true. But uh, thanks very much for that, Kevin, and everybody else. And next week, uh, Ricky and Corey will be back from their uh, four-day trip on the Disney Wonder, and I'm sure they'll have plenty to tell us about. So on behalf of all of us here in Orlando, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting the Diz. And for the Diz Unplugged, I'm Pete Werner. You have a great week.